Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 28th of August 2019. I'm your host, Real Gerald Quinn, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. As always, we are live you um, on my YouTube channel, streaming here. Um, of course, you can go to my YouTube channel, Real Deal Podcast. We'll be uh, I'll, I'll put this podcast on Blog Talk Radio as well. Later on this evening, probably before midnight, we're on Stitcher, iTunes.apple.com, Real Deal Podcast, Spotify, you know, we're everywhere. So there's no excuse not to find us. Um, happy to be with you here on this Wednesday evening as we get ready for the college football season to, to be in full tilt. NFL season, of course, is still um, a couple, you know, about roughly about 10, about two weeks two weeks away. The, of course, the big news coming out this weekend in regards to the NFL was the retirement of one Andrew Luck at the age of 29. Um, I did not see this coming. Uh, I thought Luck would play, uh, just wouldn't play the preseason, that he would be returned for week one, and you know Indianapolis would be amongst the teams that uh, would challenge the Patriots to the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs amongst AFC uh, contenders. Um, listen, when a guy walks away in his prime at the most important, playing the most important position in sports, he is mentally done. He's mentally checked out. Now, I don't... This to me is 95% mental. This is 95% mental. At a certain point, you get tired of rehabbing and rehabbing and rehabbing and rehabbing. Rehab to get injured. Rehab to get injured. Rehab to get injured. And unless you've played football, unless you've played any major sport at a high level, you just have no clue in terms of the mental toll that it takes on you. Um, Andrew Luck was regarded as one of the toughest players in the league. This guy played through multiple injuries. He played a year where he was injured. And then, you know, in 2016, then, you know, found out that, that, you know, that was a mistake. Didn't play in 2017, came back last year, was the comeback player of the year. Uh, It is obviously unfortunate it hurts the game because you're losing a guy who had all-time great talent Andrew Luck was a can't miss prodigy uh top quarterback when when healthy you look at what he did what he accomplished when he was healthy the player the Colts made the playoffs that team had no offensive line they had a bad defense he had a couple good you know T.Y. Hilton and that's it that team had that team. Andrew Luck was basically it was basically a one man gang. You can it's not even a comparison if you want to compare what Andrew Luck had versus what Peyton Manning had. Peyton Manning had a, a Jeff Saturday. Peyton Manning had the White Freeney, Jeff uh, Mathis on the other side in terms of the pass defensive pass rush. Peyton Manning had a, a above average offensive line. Offensive line. Edron James. Andrew Luck had no offensive line, no running game whatsoever until this year with some decent backs, no defensive line, 
it was a he was a one man gang. And to me, this was this, you know, if you want to blame anybody for Andrew Luck's injuries and for him being forced into retirement early, blame Jim Irsay. Blame that organization for not putting pieces around Andrew Luck early enough in his career to where he didn't have to take a beating game in and game out. Andrew Luck was one of the most sacked quarterbacks during his time. And during his time, I'm sure Andrew Luck ranks probably in top three, top five in terms of most sacked quarterback in the league or most hit quarterback in the league easily. I mean, this guy took a beating over the course of his career. And again, it's unfortunate. Um, I really, you know, you have to respect, I respect the decision. You know, these, these, these clickbait clowns over sports media, I mean, come on, you know, question this guy's toughness, saying calling it, calling it a millennial decision. I mean, he never played a, a, a day in their life in the NFL. Have no clue what real pain is. Uh, give me a break. You think a guy, think about this. Andrew Luck was in position to be the NFL's highest paid player in 2020, in 2022 at age 32. He could have signed for $50 million a year easily. He'd been a $225 million quarterback. He's walking away from $50 million a year easy. Okay. So it's not about the money. I mean, at a certain point, you know, he, it's about peace of mind. And it's about, look, he just had a child. I want to be able to walk when I'm 50 or 60. I want to live past my six in, into my 60s. A lot of these football players with these physical ailments are dropping dead at 50. With all that being said, I believe Andrew Luck will be back in the NFL in 2020. I think he's going to take a year off, get his mind right, get his body, you know, you know, get his body, rest his body for a year. I believe this time next year we'll be talking about Andrew Luck back on the Indianapolis Colts. I don't, I just, I just can't see a quarterback, a quarterback walking away in the prime of his career that didn't suffer a career-threatening injury. I don't see it. Now, you look at, of course, the NFL history, this isn't the first time that a guy has walked away um, in his prime in terms of age. You know, we saw Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders, Gronkowski, even going way back in the day, guy, uh, Jim Brown, retired at 29. Sanders Brown played at the running back position, so they had took a beating even, you know, Age 29, they've been the primary backs on their respective teams. So you're going to, and Jim Brown was probably making more money being a movie star than even playing football. So that probably, that, that probably was even more financial than anything. Barry Sanders was on a horrible team with a bad offensive line. Did all he did, everything he could do, realized he never was going to win a championship. You know what? I'm good. I want to be able to walk at 50. Uh, Gronkowski has had all types, has had an Andrew Luck type career as far as injuries goes, even though he's been, um, uh, he's been healthier. He's been more healthier than uh, in luck in terms of staying on field. But he's in recent years, Gronkowski's had a string of injuries. It, you could tell that the physical tears, the physical tear that got to him, he walks away. He'll probably be. He'll probably be back. There's already rumblings. There's already rumblings about uh, Gronkowski coming back. 
this year. So I, you might see Gronkowski sometime in October or November. But I, again, I think Andrew Luck will be back in 2020. I don't see, I just don't see a quarterback at 29 walking away uh, without a career-threatening injury. Like Tony Romo, Tony Romo's injuries were basically career-threatening. Like, no, you you take a hit the wrong way, you might not be able to walk if you take a if you take the wrong hit. Andrew Luck is not the, not with an ankle and leg and ankle. That that's not going. You know, that's not a career-threatening injury. That the reason why Andrew Luck is retiring is more of a as a cumulative effect of of the injuries and constantly having to rehab and come back, get injured, rehab, come back. So it's not just one injury. It's a, a accumulation of a number of injuries over the last four to five years that, you know, gets to the point to where you just don't, you just don't feel like rehabbing anymore. You just, like, you get tired of going. It's tedious. It's not fun. It's, you know, it's not glamorous um, whatsoever. You know, you don't feel apart. You know, a lot of guys talk about not feeling apart of the team. Not being able to be productive, not being able to help your team, especially at that position, especially especially when you are as respected and as revered as Luck is, at that you know you know the leader of the team, the quarterback coming off a year where you know comeback player of the year, he played great, got the team to the playoffs, and was you know Indianapolis coming into this year was a really legit Super Bowl contender, contender. Um, but again, yeah, I have zero problem with, with luck retiring again. I, I'm never one to tell somebody when they should and should not retire. Uh, again, he took a beating over the course of uh, over the course of his career. Uh, he and again, he's walking away from tens and tens of millions of dollars. He, he, he's again, he was going to get one more if he continued to play for like two or three more years. He was going to get one more contract. That probably would have made him the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. Period. It go, I mean, it's, it goes without saying. He was going to be the highest paid player, especially in the history of the league, if he was able to stay stay relative, stay healthy, and produce um, decent and produce at, at the level that he had produced in uh, 2018. So, again, it's a, it's a blow to the Indianapolis Colts. But again, I don't feel sorry for the Colts because the Colts. And their organization are are mainly to blame for this for not putting the necessary pieces, especially with the offensive line around Andrew Luck. You draft a franchise generational quarterback, you need to put offensive line top offensive linemen, draft offensive linemen to protect him. They waited too late. They waited after you know years of him taking a beating. They finally fixed the offensive line. Last year was one of the best offensive lines in the league. But by, but by time, you know, by then, 2018, it's too late. He'd already taken a, a number of hits, and he already taken a number of sacks, and it, it was too late at that point. It was too late. So they are, to me, the majority. If I want to blame anyone for luck retiring at this, at you know, age 29, I'm blaming the co-organization, Jim Ursay, and, and, and the rest of the organization for not, you know, for not taking care of their franchise quarterback. But again, it is a it's a big loss in the NFL because that guy, that guy, it was no bullshit with him. It was no me, me, me. This guy was a was a team guy. He came up, showed up on Sundays when he was healthy, and again, he played the game. He really, you know, played the game at the highest of levels when he was healthy. Was a Pro Bowl quarterback, and really, you know, we really didn't never we really never saw the best of Andrew Luck. 
we were, you know, we saw glimpses of it. We saw the potential of, of, of him being great, but we really never saw what it would look like when he was at his absolute pinnacle. It's unfortunate, obviously, for the Colts, but obviously it's unfortunate for the NFL because, again, the quarterback, listen, Brady's, the Tom Brady's of the world, the Drew Brees of the world, those guys are not going to be around forever. Those guys are not getting any younger. Even Aaron Rodgers is 35. Eli Manning's on his way out. Phillip Rivers is, you know, 38, 37, 38 years old. So, you know, luck, you know, luck was going to be right in between that that uh, next generational crop, leading that next generational crop of quarterbacks, along with the Mah Pat Mahomeses of the world and and guys of that nature. I, I still don't know about Baker Mayfield, and, you know, Baker Mayfield and what have you, still early on him. But uh, luck was definitely going to be in the middle of the next of that of that great generational star that was going to lead the league into, you know, into this next decade. But, you know, for at least for 2019, he will be, you know, at home or wherever, you know, wherever, you know, wherever he's from for at least a year. But again, the way guys change their minds in 2019 Unretire, retire, unretire. Again, I would be shocked if Andrew Luck is not on a football team, is not on the Indianapolis Colts in uh, in 2020. I'll be shocked. I, 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 I'm, and you heard it. You heard it here, August 28th, 2019. Andrew Luck will not stay retired. I don't believe it. I just don't. So, you had that going on. Of course, college football will be in full swing. Uh, a couple of big matchups: uh, Auburn, Oregon. Uh, should be a fun matchup always, you know, with SEC versus a West Coast team versus a West Coast team. Oklahoma, Houston, Houston, you know, has has a, has had a propensity of pulling up upsets. Oklahoma, of course, is a legit top five team, um, legit top five team. We'll see how that game goes. Other than that, there's not really any big time games. Uh, I, Louisville's ain't not any good. I don't think Louisville's any good this year, so I don't anticipate them pushing. Notre Dame, um, Alabama, it doesn't matter. Alabama could have 40 started, 40 players suspended and still manhandle Duke by 50 points. So that's, to me, that's not a big deal. Um, so I, I think we, week one will be, I don't know, all, all, not, not a big time week of college football. Again, college football, to me, the college football season is all about this, about two things. Number one, who could challenge Alabama and Clemson? Who will be that third, that third challenger or that first challenger? Whether it be Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and the second thing is these 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 uh, highest trophy caliber NFL caliber quarterbacks. Whether it be Fromm out of Georgia, Tuga Valuva out of Alabama, uh, Lawrence out of uh, Clemson, a uh, Herbert out of o uh, Oregon. I, I mentioned earlier some of these uh, some of these quarterbacks in the NFL are not getting any younger. So you're always looking for the next gener next generation of fresh quarterbacks coming out of college who can be that next, who can be those next star quarterbacks coming out of college football. So uh, that's going to be my focus for the college football season, the quarterbacks and who can challenge uh, Clemson uh, Clemson and, and Alabama for uh, the supremacy for the college, uh, college playoffs. Uh, today you had a couple things going on uh, this week. Number one, uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, it's been a rough two years for DeMarcus Cousins ever since, I think, February, ever since he tore his Achilles back in January or February 2018. 
before that injury happened, think about this. He's playing for the uh, New Orleans Hornets. Uh, New Orleans Hornets, along with Anthony Davis, they are at, they were manhandling the Houston Rockets in a Friday night ESPN game back, I think, February, late or mid-February 2018. Having their way. I'm watching the game with my cousin, and we're like, this team is going to be a problem if they get in the playoffs. Like, they can match up. They're going to be a problem for anybody with those two dudes. Cousins tears his Achilles, okay, misses the rest of that season on his contract year where he was going to get anywhere from 150 to $200 million. He signs with Golden State for a minimum deal, has, has some moments with Golden State, had a great game in the regular season, late in the regular season in March against Houston. He had like 30 points, gets hurt in the first round of playoffs against the Clippers. Comes back in the NBA Finals, has some has a couple moments, and then in the offseason, no Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson starting off season hurt, expected to play a big, you know, was expected possibly to play a, to play a big role. Maybe if Golden State keeps him, they end up letting him go. He comes to the Lakers, he gets hurt in a pickup game, tears his ACL, and it's like at this point, it's like this is guy's career over. I mean, is he finished? Is he done? And now you hear, again, these accusations. Well, I shouldn't say accusations. Um, I heard the tape. I heard the audio where he threatened to kill his, uh, his girlfriend, his, the, the, the mother of his child. But, again, we don't know the background. We don't know all the context of that. I mean, what you know, she, it clearly was a setup by her. Like, you know, she clearly got paid by TMZ. TMZ had, had the audio. But... You know, before you judge the Marcus Cousins, just understand where this man is at mentally. He's lost out on 150 to $200 million. He may never play basketball again physically. He physically can be done. And the idea of allegedly, you know, the mother of his child keeping him away from his his son, I mean, I... I you know, I, I just again, I don't know how I would, how you know I would think that I wouldn't threaten the, the the mother of my child if I was in that position, but I don't know. I don't know in that mindset with everything that he's that he's had to deal with in the past, you know, eighteen months. I mean, it's quick to judge. We all say, hey, you know, you can't you know threaten anybody, let alone a woman. And you heard the audio and da 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 da, but you have to understand what where he's at mentally right now. He is in he he is in a dark, dark place mentally right now. No, there's no two ways about it. He's in a dark place. He may never play basketball again. He's had Achilles and a torn ACL back to back, back to back years. Achilles and torn ACL. And the injury that he sustained in the playoffs. He's had three injuries in, 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 in roughly in, what, 18 months. He's had three injuries, three major injuries. Fought to get back to play in the finals, uh, to his credit, against uh, Toronto. And actually had some moments. I mean, we know he wasn't in, in, in 
in great shape, didn't have a lot of lift, but uh, you know, he helped win game. He helped win them a finals game. He played well in two games in that NBA finals. He played well in game two and was Golden State one. And he actually played well in, in, in the last game, the game six, he actually um I thought in game six he actually played had some moments and was decent. But now he has, you know, I don't know how much money he has left. He signed he signed a big contract before uh, his last contract in Sacramento was like some like eighty million dollars, but you know, Uncle Sam takes half of that. His agent, living expenses. I don't know in terms of how much money has he spent. His lifestyle. He was expecting. He was gonna. He was going to get. You know, Jamarcus Cousins, healthy, was a top fifteen player, arguably the best outside of Anthony Davis, the best big man in the league. He was going to get anywhere from one hundred and fifty to two hundred million dollars. Period. He was going to get that money, right? Regardless of team winning, regardless of anything. He, a healthy DeMarcus Cousins was, was going to get that money. Now, he may never play basketball again. And I, you know, I just don't know how I would feel as a human being if something that I've been playing participated in and have loved all my life was taken away from me. And on top of it, I can't see my child. Now, again, he could be the reason why he, he's not being able to see his child. He could be the sole reason why he's titled. He's not allowed to see his child. Like I'm not, not I, I don't know what was going on behind with that particular situation with his, with, with the mother, his child, she could be in her, she could be a thousand percent right for keeping him away from his child. Who knows? It's, I'm not. We're not. I'm not in their household. I'm not in their lives. But right now, he he is in an absolute dark, dark place, and, and it's been it's unfortunate. I, you know, I was looking forward to him being on the Lakers, playing with LeBron, Anthony Davis. I thought he was going to be a major addition on the team. I thought I, I, I you cannot question this man's this guy's talent. Can't. There's no question it whatsoever. This guy is. Is a tremendous offensive talent. You can do everything offensively that you would that you would want out of the big man. No there's no question, no two ways about it. But right now he's falling on some hard times, and hopefully he can recover. Hopefully he can get his mind right, um, get back in the NBA, get his life together, and and and, able, and continue to be able to uh, play, um, and you know be able to support his family. But the first, first, you know, first things first is just getting his his mind right. Cause right, you know, that tape it was clearly his voice, the audio, and you know, it was a setup by by the young lady or whoever he who whoever the uh, mother of his child is. But you threaten to kill somebody, you saying you know I will put a bullet in your head. You know, you you're in a dark dark place. There's no two ways about it. Also, in regards to the Lakers. You had Kobe Bryant coming out talking about Shaq and basically stating something that if you are a Laker fan, like I have been since basically 1987, that you already known throughout the course of the Kobe Shaq era, that the fact that Kobe Bryant was a fanatical, you know, gym rat, a compulsively obsessed with basketball, eat, sleep, and shit basketball, and Skill Neal was a guy who was uber talented. Who you know, you know, was in shape about what 
50% of his career, 60, 60% of his career. You know, got in shape when, when it was convenient, got in shape for the playoffs, got in shape towards the end of the regular season. So this, this, you know, this is nothing new if you're a Laker fan or if you're somebody who has closely followed the NBA. The fact that Shaquille O'Neal um, has been, did not get the most out of his talent because of his conditioning. Now, the difference between a Shaquille O'Neal versus a Charles Barkley, obviously, you know, about eight inches in height and, you know, about 70, 100 pounds in weight. And Shaquille O'Neal was so dominant and such a physical freak of nature that he could be in 85 to 95, 90% shape and still dominate the league. Um, Kobe Bryant, again, is a guy who wanted to be considered the greatest player of all time. He felt like if he, in his heart of heart, he believes. Now, 12 ranks, yeah, let's, I don't, I don't take that, 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 that number literally, but they, he, Kobe feels like he should have seven to eight, realistically, that he would have seven, minimum seven rings if Shaquille O'Neal had taken the game as serious, even remotely as close, as serious as Kobe Bryant had taken it in terms of his conditioning. I'm telling you for a fact, Shaquille O'Neal cost them the Lakers the 2003 championship in a four-peat. Shaquille O'Neal, in, two, in the summer of 2002, chose waited until like September or late August, September to have surgery on his toe that had bothered him. And to his credit, he played through it in 2002 in the playoffs, won finals MVP, was great against the Nets, did what he had to do against Sacramento, was clearly hampered in pain, played through it, but he should have surgery immediately and he he wouldn't have missed any games. He had surgery late in the summer. He missed games. The Lakers had to push harder than they ever had in in the previous Three years in terms of winning a champ, in terms of uh, when they were uh, winning, you know, back to back to back championships, to back championships, and those guys were older, and they had nothing left. They, you know, they get they were able to get the game six against San Antonio on pure talent of and brilliance with Kobe and Shaq, but those older guys had nothing left, like Ori and Fishers and the Rick Foxes. Those guys had nothing left because they had to push so hard in the regular season. Why they had to push so hard in the regular season? Shaquille O'Neal missed the first, you know, 12 to 16 games. They got off to like a 6-12 and 12 start. He came back. He had to play. Even when he came back, he had to play, play himself into shape. And that's when that was really Kobe Bryant's major coming out party. When he had, like, I think he had 12, 13, 10, 12, 40, you know, uh, 10, 10 to 12 straight games of 40 points. Kobe that year averaged 30, was 37 and, and 37 and 6 that year and, and, you know, was, you know, was just played out of his mind. Like, so, and, and they, and, you know, if Robert Worry makes that shot in game five in 2003, they up, they up three games two, who knows, they would have beat the Nets again. Um, They would have beat the Nets again. I forgot who Santana played in the 03. Uh, conference uh, finals. I think I think they played Sacramento, Dallas. They would have beat Dallas. Dallas wasn't ready, so Lakers would beat Dallas, and they would have beat the Nets again. That that Shaquille O'Neal cost them a championship. He cost them a four P in that year. There's no question about it. And again, Kobe Bryant is a guy. 
whether to believe or not, cares about his place amongst the all-time greats, the icons. It, I don't care what he says publicly. It bothers him to no end that people think LeBron James is better than Kobe Bryant. It bothers him to no end when people don't mention him in comparison to Michael Jordan. It bothers him to no end. And that's why th this type of conversation even is, this is even a conversation. Kobe Bryant is going, you know, Kobe Bryant in two to three years will probably be a billionaire. He's already won an Oscar. He has daughters. He has one of his daughters is going to play college basketball, maybe even in the WNBA someday. So he just had a fourth child, fourth daughter. He, he's busy. I mean, he has plenty of things to do in his life. It's not, he's not one of these athletes who retires and has no plan and, you know, just has nothing to do with the rest of his life. He, Kobe Bryant's good. He planned for this. Uh, he planned for his post-retirement. He has everything in place. Money won't be an option. Um, occupying his time won't be an option. Kobe Bryant is a as is as competitive of an athlete NBA player that you will ever see. Kobe Bryant, in his heart of hearts, knows and believes that he should that he should have more than five championships. And if he had six, seven, eight, there would be no debate. Forget about best player of his generation. He might be even considered the greatest player of all time. If Shaq would have been five or ten percent better, again he didn't rip Shaq. He was kind of listen. He said, "Hey, if you would have been, if you would have worked harder, you would have been the greatest of all time." That's a that's a compliment. He, he didn't have to say that, and I think Kobe Bryant believes that. I don't think Kobe Kobe Bryant is not someone who blows smoke. I don't think Kobe Bryant is going to be the type that say. Oh, since I'm taking taking this shot, taking a shot at him, I gotta kiss his ass by saying he would have been the greatest of all time. No, no, no. He believes that. He believes that for a fact. I would have more rings. Shaq would have been the greatest of all time, in my opinion. So you know, it's one of the things where you know, as you get older, and uh, you hear this all the time, people get more honest. Things start coming out. You saw Quincy Jones coming out talking about Marlon Brando and all the whole nine and just telling all his stories at the age of, you know, I mean Quincy Brown, Quincy Jones is 80. You get older, you just be like, yo, I don't I don't give a shit. I'm getting old, I'm old. Now Kobe Bryant is not, you know, Quincy Jones in terms of his age, but that you know, what what does Kobe Bryant have to lose by saying that at this point? But again, this is something that Kobe Bryant has been saying for years. It's not enough. It's not, you know, Kobe Bryant's not doing this to generate. He's not doing this for clickbait. He's not doing this to generate uh, likes for Instagram like that. That's not even Kobe Bryant's, what Kobe Bryant's about. This is what Kobe Bryant believes for a fact that Shaquille Neal did not get the most out of his career, which really is a testament of how great. Shaq, really Shaq was. And the fact that you talk about a guy who is considered to be the most dominant big man since Will Chamberlain, considered to be a legit top 10 player of all time, and and a four-time champion, three-time finals MVP. The fact that he didn't, that you that he you say that he did not get the most out of his talent. That's just good. I mean, it goes to show you just how dominant he was. So, I can't be mad at Kobe. Give me mad at Kobe. 
you know, they played eight years together, won three championships. Probably should have won four or five. I'm not going to go crazy and say they should have won six, seven, eight, nine, four or five. But, uh, you know, it, Kobe Bryant's coming from a real and authentic place. Speaking of authenticity, authenticity, did I say that right? Authenticity. Authenticity. Okay. Yeah, I can get it right the third time. Um, if you haven't seen the Dave Chappelle special, um, Sticks and Stones, I, I obviously, without question, I, I strongly, strongly recommend you seeing it. Of course, it's on Netflix, Netflix right now. I'm not going to give away what he said because I want you to, I, I want you to check it out. But it, I'll say this: Dave Chappelle right now is so far ahead of whoever you consider the second best comedian in the world is, it doesn't even matter who. Um, he's at a level to where I've never seen a comedian at. Now, when Richard Pryor was doing this thing, I'm six, seven, eight years old. Okay. Bill Cosby, Eddie Murphy. I've seen some great ones. Patrice O'Neal, I mean, there are a couple just iconic. Chris Rock. I, I've never seen anything like this. Um, Dave Chappelle is not trying to offend anybody. He's not, he's at a level right now where he's not even trying to make you laugh. Like he's not, he's not one for clickbait. He's not one for shock value. He's just, he's just having a con. His, his shows are, are conversations. <clears throat> His shows are just honest conversations. Honest. And they're coming from a place of this is what I think. This is what I believe. These are my thoughts. You could agree with them. You could disagree with them. It is what it is. And coming from a place, <clears throat> you have to remember the thing you have to remember about Dave Chappelle is this is a guy, and you want to talk about character and integrity. This is a guy who walked away from $40, 50000000 million. Chappelle showed he was going to get paid 40 to $50 million a season to do season three of Chappelle's show and with, with Comedy Central. Okay. Nope. I don't like I don't like the direction the show is going to going in. You saw Chappelle's show without Dave Chappelle when they did the whole special with Darnell Robbins and the late Charlie Murphy when they they hosted on Comedy Central. Like in, I think it was like two thousand five, two thousand four. I think it was two thousand five. It was it was some shit, and you can see why Dave Chappelle walked away from it. It was just like no, I'm not putting my name to this, even for a check. There's not there's not money now money in the world that's gonna connect my name to this bullshit. Goes to Africa, off the grid for a couple of years, comes back, had a you know rough start with you know doing was doing some clubs, comes back and just explodes on Netflix. And at this point right now, again, there you know I'm just thinking about this the other day, like what athletes, entertainers, what people that I've seen that have been so far ahead of their competitors or their contemporaries to where it's not even a debate or discussion about or or even it's not even relevant who's second. Um Tiger Woods, I think 
peak prime Tiger Woods, I think was was at that level. Michael Jordan, when you know you want to say Carl Malone, or Charles Barkley was the second best player. Shaq was still young. Penny Hardaway was still, they, those guys were great, but they weren't they weren't ready. It didn't matter. Nobody like it was Michael Jordan. That was it. That was it. Like, it was nobody even to it was nobody even to bring up. You know, to give you a sense of that, to give you a sense of how far ahead Chappelle is than anybody, any other comedian. Chris Rock came out a couple of years ago and was like, Chappelle's the best. This is Chris Rock. Chris Rock is a legendary, iconic comedian in his own right. He's, he's had some of the great, you know, bring the pain, bigger and blacker. Chris Rock has had some of the most legend, great stand-up comedic specials of all time. So for Chris Rock, to, you know, Chris Rock, to Chris, for Chris Rock to say, this guy is better than me. That's basically that's basically sub you know code for I'm not on his level. Now he's not going to say I'm not on his level, but think about this: if Chris Rock, if you're Chris Rock, and you thought that he's that he was better, I'm better than him, or he may be better than me, better than me, better than me, but not by that much. Would you really come out and admit that he's better than you? I wouldn't, but when it's but when it's so when it's not even debatable, it's like all right, you got it, you got it. And this again, this is coming from Chris Rock. Chris Rock is a legend. He says, "Look, this dude's on is you know basically on another stratosphere," and he is. I mean, there's no two ways about it. That that's but I've I've rarely watched any comedic special, uh, comedy special twice. I've rarely watched it twice. I really go see go see a movie twice. Saw Black Panther Black Panther uh, twice, I think, well, three times. Well, twice. I saw Black Panther twice, but I don't I don't go see too many movies spe- twice uh, more than once. I don't watch too many comedy specials more than once. I watched the Chappelle, the Chappelle show, the Chappelle special. Uh, twice in in three days and it was just as good to, just as good as the second time as it was the first i mean it was a it was comedic it was a guy at his pinnacle uh a chess master at his, at his absolute best and again people are going to be pissed off when you're at when you're at that level when you are so authentic and in turn in terms of especially when it comes to art. Um, it's not about, you're not someone who's trying to please people. I grew up on mid, late 80s, mid 90s uh, comedy when no when these cats didn't give a shit about PC, about any group of people, about anything, race, gender, uh, money. They would say anything at any time. That's the type of comedy I grew up on, and nowadays I I don't even see how comedians could even earn a living with with the fact of how PC it is, uh, with how PC you have to be. But again, with Chappelle, he just doesn't, he's, he doesn't give a fuck. He, he generally does not give a fuck, and it's, again, it's not coming from a place of anger. It's not coming from a place of shock value, clickbait. None of that. This is this is artistic artistic authenticity at its highest level. At its highest level. So, I certainly 
recommend it. Um, it is a conversation. There are times where you laugh out loud. There are times where you just think like, damn, he, whoa, I didn't think about that. He's right. There are more of those times than even just the outright, outright laughing out loud. Again, he he's at a level to where he's not trying to make you die laughing and try and get you to laugh at every joke. He's not. He's not. He is. It's even beyond just telling jokes. It is a pure conversation. A pure conversation. Again, he's doing it at a level that I've never seen, that I haven't seen before, ever. Unfortunately, Power Season 6, Episode 1, could not match that level of greatness. Um, I've been a Power, Power fan since 2014, since Season 1. I've defended this show truth and nail, but I couldn't defend what I witnessed on, on, on Sunday. I could not defend this. Um, I think power has become a victim of its own success from a standpoint of there are times when companies and corporations get so big, they become just caricatures of, of, of what they are. Uh, Starbucks is a perfect example. It got so big to where they just started releasing any type of coffee, and it's like, I'm like, it's like really, you don't, you don't, you don't need eighty different flavors of, of coffee, and you know, it, you just don't need it. You have your core set amount, set of coffee. I'm good with that, and, and that's fine. But they just got too big. Like they, just, they thought they could just put out anything, and people would buy, and they were Starbucks. That's how I feel about power. I mean, episode one. I mean, you have Ghost and Tommy fighting the first fighting the first episode. You have they have fifteen episodes to develop and, and and cultivate a story. Fifteen, unlike some of some of our some of the shows that we've seen ended in recent memory, whether it be a Breaking Bad, whether it be a The Wire, um, Game of Thrones, who have been all all those shows were cut short of their normal. Um, of their normal uh, season of episodes, they have five extra episodes. They have ten in the fall and five next winter, and they treat it as if they were, as this were a bad episode. It was. It reminded me of a bad episode of Empire. Everything shock value, every predictable. Bad acting. I mean, you you can't be a worse actor than 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 the, than the kid, the young man that's playing Lala's son, Cash. You can't find he the, the, that young man. That dude can't. You know that kid couldn't play dead. You can't be a worse actor. I'm like, does he have the teleprompter? Is he reading off the teleprompter? Did he, did he remember his lines? But I don't blame him. It's just bad. Is is bad acting? It's horrible writing. It's horrible writing. But again, I, again, I my expectation of a power has always been. I've never put power on power on the same level as a Breaking Bad, The Wire, none of those shows. I, I, I'm not a fool. I mean, like I'm realistic. But to me, I've always said that it was a perfect guilty pleasure summer show, and that the show had came from nothing into being one of the biggest cable television shows on cable television on, on cable television. And again, here's a here's a problem moving forward. The first episode of the ratings, only Game of Thrones had a larger audience. 
first episode of a, of a cable of a cable drama this year, only Game of Thrones, and to me, by far and away, it is the worst opening episode of the series in its six seasons. By far, it's not even close. I I binge watched Power last weekend from, from Friday to Sunday. This but just almost every episode, season one through five, and really and, and really made me respect you know how how good season two and three was. Four and five were, were pretty good, but two and three were, season two especially, when 50 Cent got out of jail and him and Ghost went at it. Uh, that, to me, was the best season. But, you know, this season right so far, getting off, you know, getting, they have gotten off to a horrible start, and I, I don't know if they can recover. I mean, this Ghost versus Tommy thing, you got, you got one guy, two guys, one guy who clearly wanted to kill the other, but decides to put the fight on pause because it's, you know his son shows up. And again, I'm not gonna go through every plot point or every mishap that the writing had because I don't, you know, we'll be here all night. But I hope, I just hope that this that this first episode was an aberration, and that they just had a bad episode, a bad start, and that it picks up moving forward. But I have a feeling that we're gonna see more of the. Of the every other scene, shock value, the you know trying to be predictable, the predictable murders like you saw with Tommy killing uh, Pancho, and, and what have you, and and some of the, some of the just you know poor acting. Uh, again, I don't expect anything out of Lala, but you know Lala's sons was have a role in it, and I just again, I a bad season can ruin what you think about a show. Especially a bad last last season. So we'll see what happens in episode two. Um, again, Ty, I don't understand Tasha. I I don't understand Tasha whole Tasha's whole character. You know, and the only reason I say this is because Tasha all of a sudden wants to be legit, and for you know basically a first the entire first season, yeah, your husband was begging you to go legit and just be a straight business uh, business uh, club owner and you push him into, try to push him into a bin. It's basically saying you could be the best drug dealer in New York City. And now Tasha can't stand who Ghost is when she pushed him into being who he is right now, who he became in terms of what, you know, with Angela in that situation. And by the way, I had no problem. They had to kill Angela. Like, it was just, they were going to focus on Ghost versus Tommy. Tyreek has a bigger role. The Angela, the uh, Angela character had ran out of storylines. It just, there was no, there was only so many, you know, cheat on Ghost, cheat on Ghost, not cheat on Ghost, but, you know, stay with Ghost, break up with Ghost, try to prosecute Ghost, and it, that, 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 you know, that had run its course for the past five seasons. So I had zero problem. I'm surprised that there were that there were that many people that believed that that thought that she that was shocked by her dying, shocked by her death. I had, wasn't surprised in the least bit. They had to kill her off. Uh, that was the one good move that they made in the in the entire episode was killing Angela, was making sure Angela's character was dead. But we'll see what happens um, in episode two. Maybe I'm overreacting, and maybe episode two gets back to where they were, you know, last season and previous seasons. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of The Real Deal Podcast. As always, season 12 of The Real Deal Podcast. This is the first episode of season 12. 
we'll be back at it. We'll be back at it early next week. Maybe, maybe I might drop one in the weekend. This is the Real Deal Podcast, telling it like it is with no apologies. I'm out.